Welcome to the Boom Clap Podcast. Today we're going to talk about a very important topic, probably one that overarches every single thing you see going on in the world right now, morality. And I'm going to get into that a little bit later. We're going to talk about something else first um, and just kind of the general uh, aspect of how we stumbled, not stumbled, but sort of upon this topic for this week in particular. Um, But first, I do want to mention the new CDC guidance was issued yesterday in the United States and everybody's kind of having their heyday posting about it and talking about it today. And I just want to address the fact that people, by and large, are saying now people can get their jobs back. All these healthcare workers can get their jobs back and they deserve an apology, which I agree with. You know, we deserve an apology and our jobs back. But this CDC guidance says nothing of the sort because the CMS guideline is still there requiring hospitals to, I guess I would call it kind of like an open blackmail. Like they have to vaccinate so many staff or they don't get full payment or have religious exemptions approved and all these things, or they do not get full payment from Medicare and Medicaid services rendered. And by saying it's like open blackmail, I'm not releasing responsibility for the hospitals and the hospital administrators because of all these CEOs band together and we're like, you know, actually, we think it's better to practice based on evidence than require our employees to just, you know, go along with something that's not evidence-based to receive payment. Mm -hmm. This would be back down. So I'm not releasing them responsibility, but I am saying that the CMS guideline is still there. And so nothing has changed. And I just, I caution people from posting things like that and saying things like that because the public who is not affected by this gets confused and they think, oh, everything's going back to normal and they forget. And no, there's still people without jobs. There's still people having to turn religious exemptions in again this fall for this vaccine, you know? And so the CDC is now saying, you know, you can do a risk-based assessment on your own risk. And, you know, there's so much natural immunity and vaccine-induced immunity out there now. So now we're recognizing natural immunity. When just two weeks ago, was it two weeks ago on the podcast, Cecily, we talked about um, that uh, Houston Methodist Hospital and how they, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the hospital spokesperson was like, what does natural immunity even mean? You know, so, and now right. CDC is including the, the phrase in their mm-hmm. guidelines. And so anyway, I just want to encourage people to look past the headlines, look past what your favorite, you know, blogger, Instagrammer is posting and actually pull up the document. Most of these articles, if you just do a simple search, you can find an article and they usually have the original documentation linked in the um, in the article. And this one in particular is only like, well, it's a lot more pages than I thought, but some of them are sources. There's only like three main pages. It doesn't take that long to read. And then you can see what's actually being said, not what somebody else interpreted interpreted it to say. Yeah. It's important for anything, this issue and any issue. As Rita always says, go straight to the horse's mouth. Yes. (laughs) Such (laughs) a lot of people say that, but (laughs) I love it. There's certain things that you say that are just so American. And I mean, we say that in Canada too, yep. but same thing when you say, gosh, darn it. Um, <laughs> anyway, you were having a serious conversation and serious stuff, but I don't no, know why I had that's to. that's good. That's good. Um, 
Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about morality today. And what brought this up is, I can't remember, I messaged Cecily something about, you know, we've lost moral objectivity. And I said, mm-hmm. people just apply moral morals so subjectively now, like based on the situation, like it, you can take one situation and somebody would say, oh, that's wrong. And another one, they'll say that's right. And I use the example, this may seem like a really dumb example, but it's very practical. Um, just a, it, it was some time within the 2020, 2021 timeframe because I was um, homeschooling my kids for a few months and I um, was out of printer paper at home and, you know, I was going to be schooling them that next day and I was at work and it was late and I was getting off work late and I was like, oh, I just remember I dropped my shoulders and I was like, I got to go to the store and I like I have no option. There's other things I could do without, but I have to get printer paper for tomorrow because I need to print worksheets for the kids. And one of the one of my former coworkers was standing there and he was just like, what? He was like, just take some from here. Just take a ream from here. And I was like, no, that's stealing. Like, that's wrong. And he was like. Um, this place takes so much from you. He was like, I believe I would bleed this place dry. Like I would take everything I could from this place. He's like, I haven't bought printer paper in years. Like I always take printer paper from here. And I was like, what? (laughs) He was like, yeah, I just get my printer paper from Carl. I was like, uh, okay. And then there were other coworkers around and I found out this is what several of them do. They just take reams of paper from the hospital. And stock their house. And I'm like mind blown because I'm like, this is stealing, you know? And it's not like just, oh, like I took a pair of gloves home or something, you know? Like this is intentionally taking something that you could buy at the store because you think that this hospital has wronged you in some way or is not paying you enough or whatever, or the CEO makes too much money. And so they owe you something and you could take Mm -hmm. something from them instead of buying it yourself. And this seems like a really like stupid example with everything going on in the world. I realize that, but it's just a practical example of most people, like most of those people in that conversation would say stealing is wrong. Mm -hmm. But- In that situation, they found themselves to be wronged by the company. And so Mm. stealing in this case, they say, is morally okay. Yeah. What I find really interesting about it is the fact that they feel so hard done by by the company that they work for that they say they would bleed it dry. And so, I mean, first of all, what is the bad treatment that you're receiving? Like, What makes you think it is so bad that you have the right to bleed them dry? You know? Um, The CEO makes too much money. I can answer that. (laughs) I know, but is that really a reason to bleed anyone dry? (laughs) No, but this is the the world we live in, though. That that mindset is so applicable, like, across our country right now. Tax the rich, like, all of that. That's that's that mindset. Yeah, it is the way the world is, and it's – really unfortunate. And it's why I truly believe, I said this to you the other day, that morality and a misunderstanding of morality is what I think is the number one issue in the world right now. And I know that that seems a little bit maybe ridiculous because of everything that is going on. There's so many big issues happening. But when you boil it down to the root of what's happening, it's a misunderstanding of morality. And I mean a misunderstanding in a couple different ways. One, 
I believe people's morals are kind of backwards right now. So that's one way to misunderstand morality. And the other way that I mean there's a misunderstanding of morality is that people don't believe that morality is objective, right? There's a moral relativism going on. Like you said, it's subjective. So it's subjective in the sense that like, it's okay to steal paper from the hospital because they feel they deserve it in some way, but it's not okay to go to the corner store and steal a couple chocolate bars, right? Or it's not okay to go to the bank and rob the bank. So there's Mm -hmm. that subjective application of morality there, but it's also subjective in the sense that, well, for example, some people believe that abortion is good. It's a good thing. It's okay to do that. Whereas someone with my moral perspective would say, that's not okay. It's the taking of a life that's made in the image of God. So there's that as well. There's that subject subjectivity as far as like, what do you believe is moral? And so yeah. that's what like we're seeing. Subject- subjectively applied or yeah. subjective beliefs, like two different ways to be Yeah, subjective. subjectively applied or subjectively understood, yeah. really, right? Yeah. So, and that's what we're dealing with is moral relativism. And I pulled up a definition, like there's a lot of different ways that people can define this. Like with, it's always means the same thing, but there's different words to describe it. And I liked the one that I pulled from you, Texas today. It said moral relativism is the idea that there is no universal or absolute set of moral principles. It's a version of morality that advocates to each her own and those who follow it say, who am I to judge? Right? (laughs) So those are things that we hear a lot to each their own and who am I to judge? And this can open up a big conversation for sure, because maybe in some cases it is okay to each their own. Absolutely. And in some cases, yeah, who am I to judge? But in some cases we do need to judge and when it comes to morality, that is one of those times, right? So if we're truly believing like to each their own, we have no right to say Adolf Hitler was any worse than Mother Teresa, right? Because to each their own, if morality is truly subjective or relative, then we really can't judge at all. So the thing is though, why, why do we say that morality is objective and not subjective? right? Well, to me, it doesn't make sense for morality to be subjective. But then if morality is objective, then where do those morals come from? Like if we say, you know, selling children into slavery is wrong in all places, in all times throughout all of history, how can we objectively say that, right? Like what is the thing that we're tying that belief to? And for someone who doesn't have like, um, a faith, faith in God, I can't see where you would tie that belief to. You know, I can't see how you could say that this is an objective truth. And most people, even people who totally believe in moral relativism, if you said, well, I'm going to sell this child into slavery, they'd probably be like, no, that's wrong. You can't do that. Right. And that's where it's like, we need something to tie that to. And that's where God comes in because without God, you know, a good God, creator of everything, moral values are really just a matter of personal preference, right? Like mm-hmm. it's okay to steal paper from the hospital or it's okay to sell kids into save slavery. It's these values that we have then are simply just a result of like biological evolution and the society that's surrounding us. Everything becomes pointless. Everything becomes nothing. And good and evil doesn't even exist in a world with no God, because who are we to say what's evil and what's good, right? There's no 
there's no measuring stick for that. Um, so Ecclesiastes 3, 19 to 20 says this, For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so does, so dies the other. They all have the same breath and man has no advantage over the beasts for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dust and to dust all return. So that's basically a picture of what the mindset and the reality would be if there was no God, right? Man is no different from the beasts. We all die. We all return to the dust and nothing has meaning. And that's really kind of depressing when I think about it. Mm hmm. Yeah, sticking along this line of like what's wrong before we get mm -hmm. to like what's right. Yeah. I was reading earlier in The 5,000-Year Leap, um, which is a book I've mentioned on here before. Mm -hmm. And this part was so good. I actually sent it to Cecily earlier, but it's from Cicero. And it says, But if the principles of justice were founded on the decrees of peoples, the edicts of princes, or the decisions of judges, then justice would sanction robbery and adultery and forgery of wills, in case these acts were approved by the votes or decrees of the populace. But if so great a power belongs to, to the decisions and decrees of fools that laws of nature can be changed by their votes, then why do they not ordain that what is bad and baneful shall be considered good and salutary. Or if law can make justice injustice, can it not also make good out of bad? And so kind of just what you were saying, Cecily, it doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't make mm -hmm. sense at all. Yeah. It, it brings me to the C.S. Lewis quote as well from the book, Mere Christianity. He says, my argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust, but how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? So he was reflecting back on when he was an atheist. And then he started to realize like, huh, man, I really have no basis for what I claim to be moral, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, there, there's nothing to hang that belief on. And, you know, so people will say, well, you know, just as people, we just know what's right and what's wrong. But the truth is, you know, from a biblical worldview, we know that humans, though we are made in the image of God, and that doesn't change, we are corrupt as far as we're sinful people, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, I think it says in Mark, out of our hearts, from within us, you know, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, um, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. So all of those evil things can come from within a person. And like, that's what it was saying, I think, in that Cicero quote that you had, you know, what's to say the vote of the people can't change something that was deemed bad into something that's deemed good, right? Because people are fickle and we change. Um, Which is exactly what's happening right now. Though. Yes, that's, that's exactly like the world we live in right now, where we want to vote what is good and what is evil instead of looking to morality and looking to our creator to tell us what is good and evil. Right. And that's why it's tricky, right? It's tricky because not everyone believes mm -hmm. in the same God that we believe in. But the truth of it is that that moral law should be on every, it is on everyone's heart, right? That's what it tells us in Romans too. Yeah. But it's very hard to function in a society where people have different ideas 
about morality and where it comes from. Yeah. Well, you said a little bit ago um, something about, you know, people think that they themselves just know, like, what is right and wrong, I guess, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which I guess I kind of agree with because, yes, it is written on our hearts. Like, we should yes. know moral, you know, what is moral or amoral. But um, the problem is people are really worshiping themselves right now and yes. um, choosing all the wrong things, you know, the things that right. um, I think you quoted out of Mark. And so um, I would argue – you know, when you say like people know or people think they know, you know, people who um, are saying that they know what is right and wrong and choosing things that are clearly not um, founded in a good moral values um, mm-hmm. or virtue. Um, I would ask, like, why do we have so many people? This might sound really controversial, but like, why are so many people depressed? Why are right. so many people um you know, confused and seeking out, you know, a different identity. You know, why don't people have peace in their hearts every day? It's because they, they're they choosing for themselves. They're not choosing what is truly rooted, you know, in morality. Yeah. Absolutely. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Like, I, I just – like I picture these people that are just so depressed that are on medications and things to try to make themselves feel better. And I'm not saying there's never, which I don't know, that's a whole other story for another day because yeah. I really think there are a few situations for that. And that's not where we should be seeking um, seeking help for uh, mental issues because I think mm-hmm. mental and heart issues are so um, connected. And I guess maybe that's what I'm trying to say. I think these things that we're seeing in society are so much heart issues. Yeah, I really like what you said there. And I think these heart issues come from, like you said, the fact that we have this moral law written on our heart, but people are choosing to worship, you know, self or, you know, just something other than God, right? So that moral law that's written on our heart, it's intrinsically connected to spirituality. And we know that our spirituality is connected, like our spiritual well-being is connected to our physical and mm-hmm. mental well-being as well. Um I was going through some of my books this morning in preparation from this and a quote in the book, Mama Bear Apologetics says, our society is setting spiritual fires all over the place and wondering why our world is going up in flames. We not only reap the spiritual consequences of our sin, but we are also subject to the effects of the sin on others. Like you said, Rita, like we just see this so clearly today, right? People are searching for meaning because they don't know the source of all meaning. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what my heart just like, just aches for everyone to know who God is. Right. Um, and I just see, so where it says here, the spiritual consequences of our sin, you know, we're also subjecting others to the, to the effects of our sin. Right. And that's what I really see clearly modeled in the children of today right? They're reaping the consequences of the sin of others. They can be the sin of adults in their life and the sin of the surrounding culture. So now we have kids and yes, often we come back to this transgender conversation, but it's so important right now. Like kids are questioning reality by questioning their gender because they're being taught that questioning their gender is normal, right? Mm -hmm. 
And like I said, morality is intrinsically and necessary, necessarily linked to spiritual health because morality comes from the moral law giver who is God. <laughs> and there is not another way for objective morality to make sense than there for then there, then for their goodness gracious, I'm having trouble talking, then for there to be a good God who is the moral lawgiver. And when we break that moral law, it damages our souls, which damages our physical health, which damages our mental health, because we are made in the image of God. And when we go away from that, it's taking us away from his design, away from what he had planned for us. And because God is good, all of that is good. And when we choose something else, we're going in the other direction and it causes damage. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to read that post if it's okay that you sent me earlier, Mm -hmm. Cecily. Um, I was talking to Cecily before this. I was just telling her some of the things I was reading and thinking today. And she was kind of um, shooting messages back to me. And she was like, oh, I just sent you a post. I was trying to describe something to her about – because I was like, Mm -hmm. you know, I really – like not everybody's a Christian and America is, you know, a melting pot of all these different religions, all these different belief systems. And I'm okay with other people living differently than me, but we're getting to a point in society where, you know, Christians are having other people's values pressed upon them so hardly. And we're living in a world that is so far from a good moral foundation. And I was trying to put this together in a way to make, I don't know, her understand and like, something I wanted to say on the podcast is like, I'm for liberty. I'm for not everybody having to live like me, but um, don't make me live like you. And so she sent me this post and it so well stated what I was trying to say. It says, every conversation on morality in the modern world, it says, secular society, we want you to do X, the church. You're free to do it, secular society, but you think X is wrong, the church. Yes, secular society, because you want to control us, the church. No, you're free to do what you want, secular society. But you think X is wrong, the church. Yes, but only because we want your ultimate good, which is the definition of love, secular society. But we want to do X, the church. You're free to do it, secular society. But we want you to say that X is good. And that's what it always boils down to. The church says, we cannot say, we cannot say that, secular society. Why do you hate us? And that's what it always boils down to, right? You know, um, we're not just um, asked to love other people. We're asked to promote what the agenda of the day is, regardless of the ever-changing target, goalpost, whatever you want to say, moving marker of what is, quote, moral today. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you to Pastor Sean Vendop for posting that, that I saw it and I'm like, wow, that really fits in with what we want to talk about. Excellent. Yeah. But here's the thing, right? Morality cannot be a moving post. It cannot. Because who's to say then that tomorrow selling kids into slavery is not right, right? Right. We cannot have a moving post of morality, right? And as Christians, we know where morality comes from. And so that post also really reminded me of how tolerance, the word tolerance, that's the in thing, right? And we covered the self-defeating argument of tolerance in episode 68 when we read out some of our real-life hate mail that we've received. Um, That was also the episode that we did with Elizabeth. Um, You know, you and I and many people who talk like we do, 
we're frequently accused of intolerance because of the topics that we cover on the podcast and on social media. But the interesting thing is that in the very act of accusing of accusing us of intolerance, the people accusing us are being intolerant, right? That's one of the problems that we have with moral relativism. It preaches tolerance while condemning anyone they view as intolerant. And mm -hmm. logic has left the building when that happens. And that's what's happening. Like with this post, secular society says we want to do X and church says you're free to do it, but they won't stop until we call it good. But we can't call it good. And the conversation gets bigger in like, yeah, people are free to do what they want and they're not part of the church necessarily. So we can't judge. But at a certain point, I would argue that some of the things people are choosing to do are causing such severe consequences. Like in that quote I read earlier from Mama Bear Apologetics, they're causing such severe consequences for other people that this is where morality gets tricky, especially for Christians. Is like, how much can we tolerate and say, you're free to do that before saying, actually, you are severely hurting other people because of what you're choosing to do with your freedom. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And I have a hard time with this. Like, yeah. I like abortion, for example, that's a hard no for me because yeah. you're killing someone else who has no say right? Yeah. Um, but some things as far as like uh, parental rights go, um, mm -hmm. like for example, the transgender thing, I absolutely think it's wrong. Um, mm -hmm. And I, there's part of me that says, I think there should be consequences for parents that let this happen. But mm -hmm. another part of me, it says, some people think there should be consequences for me for mm -hmm. not giving my kids the COVID vaccine or for not getting the COVID vaccine. And how, you know, how is that different? Um, it is different in my mind, but yes. in these people's mind, they believe that um, I am harming my kids to the same degree. Yeah. And you so know what I mean? Totally. And so like that's why it gets really tricky. Um, mm -hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say that's like, kind of like what we said at the beginning, right? Like it's hard to function in a society where we have such different ideas about what is good and right and true. Well, and that that's where this, so can I read some from this book about um, what Cicero said? I, it's going to be extensive, I think, but this is really good. And I think that, um, I can't remember, was it Ben Franklin that said like our constitution was made for a good, I think a good and moral people or a good and virtuous people. I'm going to butcher the quote, but it, it doesn't function. It can't, it. you know, we can't function and govern um, with the constitution mm -hmm. outside of a good and moral people, essentially. And that's where we're at. And so that's why it's so tricky. Um, but anyway, um, Cicero, if you don't know, was uh, like basically a Roman statesman. And he was actually, <laughs> I find it interesting how he died was he was beheaded um, by Mark Anthony, who uh, was largely responsible for transforming Rome from a constitutional republic to an uh, autocratic Roman Empire. So that's interesting history there. But um, this is all. This is from the five thousand year leap. Also, I already said that. I think, but um, just to say it here again in case. Um, one of the things it says at the beginning is most modern Americans have never studied natural law, which I find interesting, you know, considering the times we're living in and very apparent and evident. 
Um, so to Cicero, the building of a society on principles of natural law was nothing more or less than recognizing and identifying rules of right conduct with the laws of the supreme creator of the universe. History demonstrates that even in those nations, sometimes described as pagan, there were sharp, penetrating minds like Cicero's who reasoned their way through the labyrinths of natural phenomena to see behind the cosmic universe as well as the unfolding of their own lives, the brilliant intelligence of a supreme designer with ongoing interest in both human and cosmic affairs. Cicero's compelling honesty led him to conclude that the reality of the creator is clearly identified in the mind. The only intelligent approach to government, justice, and human relations is in terms of laws which the supreme creator has already established, the creator's order of things called natural law. And so I just want to highlight that, like even in pagan societies, people were grasping this. Mm-hmm. True law is right reason in agreement with nature. It is of universal application, unchanging and everlasting. It summons to duty by its commands and averts from wrongdoing by its prohibitions. It is a sin to try to alter this law, nor is it allowable to repeal any part of it, and it is impossible to abolish it entirely. We cannot be freed from its obligations by senate or people, and we need not look outside ourselves for an expounder or interpreter of it. And there will not be different laws at Rome, at Athens, or different laws now and in the future, but one eternal, unchangeable law will be valid for all nations and all times, and there will be one master— and one ruler, that is God, over us all. For he is the author of this law, and is promulgator, and is enforcing judge. Whoever is disobedient is fleeting from himself, and is denying his human nature. And by reason of this very fact, he will suffer the worst punishment. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing, right? This law, this eternal law, It is there and it is real, whether people choose to acknowledge it or not. Yeah. And so the last thing I want to read from this, um, the portion before this is talking about the first great commandment, love God and love others. And it's talking about how Cicero um, identified that. Um, And then this part, the second great commandment, it says, it is interesting that Cicero, without being either a Christian or a Jew, was able to discover the power and fundamental significance of obedience. So he's not a Christian. He's not a Jew. Not only to the first great commandment, but to the second one as well. His great mind instinctively led him to comprehend the beauty and felicity of what Jesus had identified as the second great commandment. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then down here it says, so Cicero, Cicero, the glue which holds a body of human beings together, Oh, sorry. So to Cicero, the glue which holds a body of human beings together in the commonwealth of a just society is love, love of God, love of God's great law of justice and love of one's fellow men, which provides a desire to promote true justice among mankind. Mm -hmm. And I just I think this is so important to understand, like we don't understand natural law like christian or not we don't understand this as a collective society and somebody actually um had tagged an older episode of ours today cecily and um said that they saw statistic that we spend 44 hour or 44 hours 44 years of our life in front of a screen and as i was thinking today about this episode, I was like, man, that's interesting to think about because 
44 years of your life collectively in front of a screen, you know, over the course of a lifetime. Um, How much time are we spending studying what another human being says, another human being's interpretation Uh of what's going on in the world? Not in nature, not understanding creation, you know, not understanding the way things were designed to work. Um, I I find that very interesting, um, the times we're living in contrasted to how we're living. Yeah, I was actually sitting somewhere the other day and um, people were kind of joking about a classical education, like, oh, is that is that practical, right? And I'm just thinking like, man, I just think it's so practical to study, Absolutely. To, to study in that way. And also, wow, 44 years, it's really hard to fathom spending that much of your life in front of a screen when you have not even been alive close to 44 years, you know, like that's... I don't know if that's accurate, but well, I was thinking about it and I was like, well, she, she had mentioned, messaged me back. She was like, I guess probably with work and stuff. I'm like, I really believe like, you know, an 80 year old human could have spent that amount of time in front of a screen when you think about work and then, you know, depending on your job, um, and then just time scrolling and stuff. I guess it really does add up quickly. Yeah. That's alarming. It's definitely something to be aware of. Anyways, my whole point with that is, you know, it's how we're living. We're living detached from natural law. We're living detached from God and creation, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and that brings me back to that Instagram post that you had read earlier. Um, where Where's the part that I wanted to see? So secular society says, but you think X is wrong. And then the church answers, yes, but only because we want your ultimate good, which is the definition of love, right? And that's that natural law. That's God's law. That the closer we are to that, the more loving it is. And I think that's what's so often misunderstood. And I think, um, you know, maybe it's misunderstood because people aren't always good about telling the truth. You know, I'm not always good about telling the truth. I don't always do it with compassion, but I think there's this misunderstanding. Well, first of all, why I'm talking about this right now is because if we want people to go closer to that natural law that comes from God, God's law, we want to tell them the truth so that they can see it and move towards it. Right. But so often people lean to one side. They're either like, well, I only approach my relationships with people with compassion. Or on the other side, I only approach talking to people with truth. And people seem to think that those two things, compassion and truth are mutually exclusive, but they're not, right? It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be one or the other. They absolutely can and should go together. So if one person focuses more on compassion, that doesn't automatically mean that they're in the right, right? But that's what our culture seems to think like, oh, well, this way of thinking or this way of talking seems more compassionate, seems being the key word. So they must be right. Or Christians who say or do this seem more compassionate. So they must be the biblical Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other side, people are like, well, they're saying the hard truth. That must be the real Christian thing to do. But really they should go together, right? And if we love people, we want to tell them the truth but we want to do it in a way that doesn't make them think we're complete nut bars. Um, and I think also going back to the whole classical edu- education thing, it's important to remember that some of the worst events in history were accomplished in the name of compassion, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why compassion and truth have to go together too. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. And 
talking about that, it's interesting. I was just talking to my sister-in-law the other day and I do try to approach, you know, the way I talk on social media or talk here, you know, with Mm -hmm. a level of compassion. But I would say I'm definitely like hammering certain points here um, more so than I do in my public life. I I was just talking to her about, yeah, 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 my personal life, public life. I don't know. Like I meant like when I'm out in public with people, I guess, (laughs) as opposed to sitting at home. I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, where am I going with this? Oh, um, I just think that sometimes um, people can see what's happening on social media where you're constantly talking about certain subjects all the time because like this is what you're passionate about and this is what you're talking about here. And then they take that into their real life and that's all they talk about, you know, and that's not me. So if you get this impression that like I go around and like talk to all my friends about the vaccine all day long, like I do talk to them about it. Absolutely. Like I absolutely have these important conversations with my family and friends, but Mm -hmm. I don't only talk to them about that. And I think that's where compassion comes in as well. Mm-hmm. is a lot of times people who are passionate about these topics, um, you know, whatever, whatever we're talking about, um, morality, like any of these things, um, they just, that's what they talk to people about all the time. And compassion partially is just caring about other people in their life and what's going on in their life, mm-hmm. you know, and not mm-hmm. just um, wanting, you know, you can't change people unless you can't help change people or change people's minds if you don't actually care about them. You know, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think people often will will try to think of things like, oh, like I really need to speak some truth into this person's life, but I don't know how to do it compassionately. Well, we're forgetting that our relationships are supposed to be well-rounded in general, right? Like we have compassion for them by caring about every aspect of their life, not just that one piece of truth that we think that they need to hear right? It's asking about what's going on in their lives and, and truly caring. There's more, people are more than one dimensional, right? It's never just one issue with a person. They have a whole life and that whole life needs to be, you know, recognized. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I have a Bible verse that I want to read and it probably would have fit better at another place. Um, (laughs) but sometimes the conversation gets going and it's, It's hard to like put things in exactly where I want them, but I don't want this episode to reach the end before I share it. So the passage, the verse that I wanted to share was from Isaiah five, verse 20. It says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Um, I just really, really liked that verse because there is so much right now that is evil that is being called good. Mm -hmm. And there's so much that is good that is being called evil. And the Bible is full of warnings for that, right? To make sure that what you're calling good is good and that what you're calling evil is evil. And yeah, I just thought that was a really, really good verse for this morality topic. Yeah, it's very good. And these, this, everything going on in the world has been pressing on me a lot this week. Not like an anxious pressing, but just like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, like people need to be paying attention because I think we're getting to that yes. point again where people are falling asleep. 
And I ordered the other day. Didn't we just talk about ordering books on the last episode? Maybe. I don't know. But no, um, we order a lot of books. So I know. <laughs> so I think we talked about it in the community, like how we have oh, okay. a problem with ordering books. Anyway. Right, that's where it was. Um, <laughs> I knew we talked about it somewhere. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I had gotten um, the Alexander Solzhenitsyn Gulag Archipelago. Mm. Um, but oh, nice. I got the abridged version. It's like 500 pages mm. instead of 1800. That's a good idea. Because I was like, yeah. you know, I just, I need to read this, but I don't know that I'm going to um, get through 1800 pages like yeah. anytime in the next year of just one book. Totally. Um, but yes. anyways, as I'm reading, I'm only like on the second, well, I don't even know if it's technically organized in chapters, but only on the second mm. chapter. But I was just like, wow, this is, you know, I see people kind of like falling off and not worrying about these things happening. Like there's so much going on in the world and this is why we need to care because you can't start caring when it gets to the point of being thrown in a concentration camp, right? Like, yeah. and I know that sounds really dramatic, but mm. if you look at history, societies don't last much longer than the one we're in right now in America, you know, <laughs> like they don't typically like get to uh, experience many years past where we're at without some serious um, hardship and war and all of those things. So pay attention, everyone, to what's going on. Understand why you're paying attention. You don't need to go crazy or anything, but just stay alert, mm -hmm. right? Um, stay alert. Yeah. Well, and remember, like we said earlier, so many of atrocities, atrocities, how do you say that word? Whatever. You know what I mean? So many atrocities. atrocities. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so many atrocities in history were committed in the name of compassion, right? Because everyone wants to do the compassionate thing. We all want to get on board with the compassionate thing. Um, so yeah, it may sound alarmist, but it doesn't hurt to be aware. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> All right, guys, as we're wrapping up here, we want to read a review. We really appreciate you guys leaving us reviews, and we read all of them and are so thankful when you do. So we're going to read the last one left for us. It says, Truth. This is so refreshing to listen to a podcast that talks about current issues with a biblical lens to keep us learning and leaning toward God for our truth and how to live through these times. And that was from Kelly. Thank you so much for leaving us that review. Um, mm -hmm. This really helps, you know, people find our podcast. And so if you have just a second, we know it does take time, but that is one free way you can just help us out a little bit. Yeah. And truly, as soon as new reviews come in, we're screenshotting it and sending it to each other just because they always make us so happy. So thank you Lift so much. Us up. Yep. They really do. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening to the podcast today, you guys. We hope that this morality topic um, is something that you are wanting to hear. We just both really felt it was an important conversation to have. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it as well. So can dm us on instagram or email us um or you could join our community the boomclapcommunity.com is where you can check that out um, you can also find us outside the podcast on instagram i'm cesley.dicky or on my website thegracetogo.com and you can find me rita at rita or rita rogers co on instagram thanks for listening mm -hmm.